Would y'all make some noise for Jesus in here this morning one more time? Listen, he is what we're here for. Uh, he is what we are about. Uh, we like to say it this way, that, that Jesus is our message. So we're not trying to promote anything else other than Jesus. He is our message. And uh, if you're new here, uh, we, we go to the Bible. Uh, we believe in the Bible. Uh, we believe in Genesis, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we also include the maps in the back. We believe that it is inspired uh, by God. Uh, we don't think that it's a book of suggestions, but we believe that it's a book uh, of principles that help us uh, navigate and live in the here and now. And so every Sunday, <clears throat> as a community, we get to go to it and see what the Lord is saying uh, to us. And so that's what we're going to do. And I've got just a simple, single verse for you this morning is John 3.16. So if you got your copy of God's Word, you can flip with me there. If you're old school or if you're new school, you can scroll with me there. Or if you say, look, I don't have my Bible and my phone just died and you look on the screen right here. Here it is. <laughs> John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Would y'all pray with me? I'm going to pray a very long prayer, so just bear with me. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful that we're in here with your service, and we say, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I told y'all it's going to be long. John 3.16. John 3.16 is by far the most famous verse in the Bible. You can see it painted under the eyes of your favorite football player. You can see it on some poster board at a sporting event near you. You might even see your favorite wrestler put their name in front of the 316, Austin 316, if you're tracking with me. Don't nobody know Austin 316? Okay, come on. Y'all help me out now. This is the 1030. You had breakfast already. <laughs> it's clear. John 316 is very popular. In fact, in this uh, information age, internet age, uh, John 316 is by far the most searched Bible verse that there is. Um, but have you ever asked the question, like, why is this verse so popular? Like, what's, what's the big deal about John 3.16? Now, you may, be at, you may be saying to yourself right now, like, yo, have you read it? <laughs> That's why it's so popular. That's why there's such a big deal about it. But I wonder if, if we have not read John 3.16 in the most complete way. And here's what I'm saying. Historically, when you read John 3.16, this is how we read it. God loved the world so much that. Now, you may be saying, what's the problem with that? There's no problem with that. It's just not, it's an incomplete way of reading it. It's not a complete way of reading it. I think if we want to complete this way, uh, complete it and extract the power that's contained within it, that we would read it this way to say, God loved the world in this way. So the, the shift is where the emphasis goes. So the emphasis is on what God did, not so much as why he did it. 
Now, as I say that, the, the why is important because the why points to the truth that God so loved the world. So the why is important. So don't think I'm not saying the why is important. But family, the what God did is the thing that made a difference. What did he do? God loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Family, it is what God did that has made the difference. And so for the next few moments, I want to speak from this headline, from this idea God did. And I'll be honest, it took a lot for me not to say that in the Khaled, in my Khaled voice, but I was able to hold myself back. We're going to speak from this idea of what God did, because what he did, family, it, it changed everything. And, and if y'all okay with that, that's how we're going to roll. Y'all cool with that today? So let's get to work then. Look at Galatians 4.7. It says this, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we give our life to Jesus, when we come under his lordship, meaning that we have repented, and repentant is this big church word, that uh, religious word that basically means I've changed my mind and I'm turning around, I'm living a different way. So we were once living this way, but we've repented or changed our mind from the way we were living, and now we're living this way. So we, we are turning away from choosing our way, and we're surrendering to living Christ's way. So that's what it means to repent. That's what it means to give our life to Jesus and surrender to his lordship. So when we do that, we are sons. We become sons and daughters of God and also co-heirs with Christ. So meaning what's his is now ours. We're co-heirs with him. But here's what I know that's true. As sons and daughters, we oftentimes forget what it means to be a child of God. We forget what it means to be a co-heir with Christ. And I believe this. I believe that the enemy uses a tool called forget. And, and here's why he uses that tool, because if he can cause us to forget who we are in Christ, he can get us to choosing a life less than a life that has been made available in Christ through putting our trust and our hope in him. Are you tracking with me this morning? So the tool that the enemy wants to use is a tool called forgetfulness. It's not all these other things. He just wants you to forget to what you have access to. So here's what I want to do. I want us to look at Easter this morning and see what does Easter reminds us of? What, does it, what, what story is it telling us? And the first thing that Easter is reminding us of, the first thing that Easter is telling us this morning is telling us what God did. And so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. God did. But to help illustrate this point and make it more clear this morning, I want you to turn your attention to the screen.
So there it is. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did God do? He gave. Now, the truth of that statement, it comes alive in a deeper way when you understand the life of an early Jew. So the life of an early Jew, in order to have their sins forgiven, in order for atonement to take place for their sin, they would have to make up an animal sacrifice. Now, some of you who brought somebody with you, it's like, yo, he normally does not talk about, I don't know where he's headed. Just relax. It's not going to be like that. But they would have to make an animal sacrifice. And typically it would be a lamb, a goat, or dove, or something of that nature that they would have to bring to the priest uh, that would be sacrificed for the atonement of their sins. Now, this just wasn't a one-time thing. They had to do this consistently every single time when they needed their sins to be forgiven. Now, we're not going to go into details, but can you imagine that scene? Can, can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine how that would look? That here you are with the lamb, goat, or dove, and you're preparing it. You're making a sacrifice in order to have your sins forgiven. It's, it's, it's not a pretty scene. So here you are in that moment. You're probably thinking to yourself, how did I get here again? I said last year that I wasn't going to allow myself to get back to this place, but here I am. I'm right back in this place. How did I miss it again? How did I mess up again? And you know what's happening at that moment? Shame is settling in. Guilt is settling in. Condemnation is settling in. All the questions of who you are, your identity, all those questions are beginning to swirl because you find yourself yet again going through this motion that you thought you would not go through, but yet here you are. And maybe some of us, we feel that way this morning. That we said last Easter Sunday, I wasn't going to fall victim to that anymore. That when that temptation come that I was going to flee from, I was going to go the other way. I had dedicated my life to Jesus and I was ready to live for him. But yet here I am a year later and I find myself back at the same place. Look at Hebrews 10. Chapter 10, verse 10. Look what it says. It says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So that was God's will. But now look at verse 11. That's talking about the old covenant or that sacrificial system that I just mentioned. It says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day. Because again, this had to consistently take place for every single person. So day after day, that priest is there. Day after day, it's reminders of the mistakes. It's reminders of the issues. It's reminders of the struggle. And again, here comes guilt. Here, here comes shame. But offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. So it wasn't going to get it done. But look at verse 12. Here's what it says. But when this priest, who is this priest? This priest is Jesus. When this priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, Jesus stepped in. He said, the old system, the old covenant cannot do it. So let me step in. Let me make a way. And I'm going to go ahead and sit down. So you know what that means for all of us. You don't have to live and stay in a place of shame. You don't have to live and stay in a place of guilt. Yes, I know you messed up. Yes, I know you missed the mark. But Jesus has taken care of that thing once and for all. What he did on the cross was for all of humanity. Past sins, present sin, and any sin that you could ever commit. So now, once where shame and guilt and unforgiveness now reign, now here comes hope, now here comes freedom, now here comes victory because of what this priest, Jesus, has done. What he did made a difference. So you don't have to settle in shame because of what God did. You don't have to live in doubt because of what God did. That you don't have to live a hopeless life, but you can live a hope-filled life because of what God did. Is anybody excited? Is anybody grateful? Can I find just three people who are thankful for what God did? He took you up out of your mess. He stepped into the middle of your story and your situation, and he changed it. He took away your guilt. He took away your shame. This is what God did. And what he did, family, it changed everything. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus became so that you and I could become, so that we could become that person that God has called us to be, that God has destined us to be. Jesus stepped in, and when he stepped in, family, he changed our position that he picked you up out of that dirt, out of that mud, where once you couldn't see hope, he says, look here, son, look here, daughter, here is hope, here is freedom, here is victory. This is what it looks like of what God did. So now because of that, we can become better husbands, we can become better fathers, we can become better mothers, we can become better wives because of what God did, he changed our position. But listen, what do we do? Because this all sounds good. Somebody's like, yo, that sounds good, but, but excuse my English, life just be happening, right? So that sounds good, but life happens sometimes. I, I, I get it. I see what God did. He stepped in once and for all time. I, 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 I get it. But what happens when you hit an unexpected bump in the road? What happens when you have another year like 2020 and all of what it involved? And some of you is like, yo, it's not even about a year like 2020. It's about the things that I've been struggling in my life for a long time. Like, what do we do when the unexpected happens? I want you to take a look at this video and we'll see another reminder of what Easter does.
I don't know where you've been. I don't know what your story is. And like I said, life happens. And when life happens, it could take us to places that we never thought we would find ourselves. But hear me this morning. God has made a way for you to come back home. And he's made a way. God has made a way through the person of Jesus who is this bridge of grace that now makes a way for us to come back home. So now where there was once sin that separated us from a holy God, here comes Jesus saying, I'm the bridge to bring you back home. And so maybe you were just like, maybe you're in here this morning and you're sitting in a place like him, like he was this morning. And you're like, yo, I once was like, I was doing this thing that I was on fire for God. I was living for God. Life happened. And then I found myself sitting in a place just like him. Listen, God has made a way through Jesus for you to come home. When we say, yeah, you can clap for that. Because many of us, we need to hear that because the enemy will tell us you've made too many mistakes and you've posted about it. You shared about it. You've been all over IG Live and everything else. And people have seen the life that you've been living. So there's no way you can come back home. That's going to be too embarrassing. Listen, family, God has made a way for you to come back home. And there's no mess that you've stepped in that he can't clean you up or free you from. There was nothing too hard for him, nothing too difficult for him. And you're not going to experience condemnation in this place. Because we say, we don't care what your story is, come back home. We don't care what your issue is, come on home. We don't care what you've been dealing with, come back home. Because all of us in this room, we've got some struggles, we've got some issues, we've got some things. In fact, our issues have issues. But the Lord says, I have made a way through my son Jesus for you to come back home. This is what Easter reminds us of. So welcome home is not a cute slogan that our church uses. It's saying, no, you can come back home. Man, you don't know. I've, I've messed up. Okay, cool. Me too, but you can come back home. Man, you don't understand the things that I've done. Listen, I don't have to, but you can come back home because God has made a way. He has made a way for you to be healed. He has made a way for you to be free, for you to be delivered, for you to walk in purpose. You said purpose, man, I got too much pain. Listen, he'll turn your pain into purpose. And so now that thing that the enemy said was going to hold you down, it becomes a part of your story that other people can see. And now they can find hope and deliverance because of what you went through. That people can step back and say, man, you have lived through so much pain, but look at the way you serve God. Look at the way you show up. Look at the way you live and serve your family. So what the enemy meant for bad God turns it around for our good. Here is the point that I'm making. God has made a way for you to come back home. So don't you dare settle in that shame. Don't you dare settle in that condemnation. Because who the son says free is free indeed. Are you with me this morning? God has made a way. And look at this verse, Philippians 1.6. It's one of my favorite verses, foundational verse of this church. It says this, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it in on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means this, that we are not on a journey of perfection, but we are on a journey of progression. Oftentimes, sometimes you can be in some church circles and they will promote this idea, whether intentionally or unintentionally, of perfection. Ooh. 
Now they, they sit sit them over there. We can't have them too close to the front. Uh-uh. Did you smell that when they walked in? How they gonna come in here to Lord's house smelling like that? Right? So 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 just unintentionally or intentionally promoting this idea of perfection. But that's not what we're called to be perfect. We're called to progress because it's saying this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will bring it on to completion. Meaning this, he's still working on you. He's still developing you. He's still shaping you. He's still molding you. So keep your hands in the hands of the potter and let him mold you into who you are supposed to come. It doesn't mean perfection. It means progression. And I love the part where it says, throw, is it still, throw that back up on the screen. I love the part where it says this, that he who began a good work, you may feel like you have nothing good going in your life. Listen to me this morning. Scripture says he has began a good work in your life. Well, I don't see it. You don't have to see it, but he's, he's doing it. And as you can continue to trust him, as you continue to surrender your life to him, and as who you used to be begins to fall off, you're going to see the whole time that God's hand has been on your life. And so the things that you went through that the enemy thought was going to use to take you out is the very thing that will become your story. And you, and you will get to this point where you said, I didn't like that then, but God, because I went through that, I can praise you like this. And so when you see that person that's gone a little while, that seems like they're out of control, they're not out of control, baby. They just remembering who they were and seeing where they are now, and they got a glimpse of their future and where they're going, and say, I'm going to give God some praise. I'm going to give God some adoration because he has changed and turned my life around. You're not a person stagnant. You're a person who are becoming, and you're becoming who God has designed you to become. But here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to move past your past because some of us, we have, we have our minds stuck in the past. And because we have our minds stuck in the past, we can't embrace the future that's in front of us. So we are, we're holding on to past hurts and past mistakes and past failures and past disappointments, even past wins. Because here's the thing. The enemy doesn't care what part of your past that you hold on to. He just wants you to hold on to it so you can get stuck and not become a person moving forward. So no matter if you feel like it's a past uh, lesson or a past win, we got to move past it. And here's the encouragement. Stop viewing your life through the lens of who you used to be. And see your life through the lens of who you are becoming. Because so many people will stay stuck because they said, man, I, I've just, I've missed it too much. I've made too many mistakes. But we're being reminded this morning that despite all of that, that God has made a way for you to come back. And has doesn't have an asterisk. <laughs> Meaning, ooh, ooh, mm -mm. he's made a way, but only if you haven't done that. No, 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 no. He has made a way. Becoming, listen, it's not a destination. It's a journey. So hear me. When you mess up, when you hit that unexpected bump in the road, don't just say, I'm going to go ahead and take the exit ramp. You might need to pull over, change the tire, call AAA. That's your prayer partners. Call them. Get some help, jump back on the road, and keep on going. But the enemy says, oh, you messed up. You might as well throw in the, in the towel and forget this whole thing. 
but you don't have to. Just allow the Lord to love, to love you. Allow the people that he's placed around you to believe in you, to pray for you, and keep on becoming. Are y'all with me this morning? So here's the, here's the final reminder I want us to discuss this morning. So it's God did, God has, and here's the final one we're going to discuss today, as God can. And to help me illustrate this, take a look at the screen. Hello? Hey, honey. Hey, what's up? You about to head home? Yeah, I'm still at the office. I'll be headed home soon. I'm just sitting here waiting for the email to hear back from my job. I've been praying about it and I just, I really just don't feel like God's listening anymore. After all that I've done, all the mistakes I've made, I just don't feel like I deserve it. Listen, of course, he's gonna answer your prayer and he's listening to you. He's never gonna leave you. Like God can cover all of our mistakes and that's the whole point. Don't worry, he's got you and he's got us. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, I'm about to head home, so I'll see you then. Are you serious? Did I seriously just get the job? <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. There... <laughs> I can't believe it. <sighs> I just can't believe it. I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think um, that all of us in this room, that we would hear uh, the things that I've said, listen to the things that i said, just automatically be like, you know what? I'm convinced of that. Yep. God did this, so everything's all good. That God has made a way. So cool. I can forget about that. Some, some of us this morning, we're like, that, that, that sounds good. You ever said that? Like, yeah, that sounds good. But listen, you don't understand the stuff that I've been through. You don't know what my life looks like. And um, I've said some dark things. I've done some dark things. I've thought some dark thoughts. And I just... I don't think the way I've lived my life, the things that I've done can be overcome even if Jesus is the one to overcome them. So that's great for someone else, but that's just not going to work for me. And if you find yourself in here this morning and you feel like that, that's okay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you in, in this scripture this morning is John 3.16. If Micah, if you'll come help me land this plane, but I want you to, I want you to take a look at John 3.16. And I know you're like, but yeah, we've, we've been on this all morning. I, I, I get it. But look at what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So somebody's going like, Got it. We know it's the most famous verse. We get it. But have we read it in the right way? Now, I want you to look at it now on the screen. Look at what it says. Same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But you see this underlying part here? It says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Oftentimes with this verse, we get 
We get caught up on the for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, and that's a great thing to get caught up on. But there's so much power in this statement that whoever, whosoever believes in him. Meaning this, yes, you with the dark things that you've done. Yes, you with the dark things that you've said. Yes, you with the dark things that you've thought. The scripture says, whoever believes. It doesn't say only the ones who come from this side of town. It doesn't say only the ones who were born into this type of family. It doesn't say only the ones who have this type of income. It doesn't say only the ones who have this ethnicity. It doesn't say only the ones who have never lied, stolen, or cheated. Hear me this morning. It says whoever. So you can come with your pain. You can come with your hurt. You said, I don't have pain and I don't have hurt. Okay, well, you can come with your questions. You can come with your doubt. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubt. Maybe you grew up in a context like me where you would have questions. And they said, don't you be questioning God as if he's not big enough for our questions. The question is not questioning who he is. It's saying, God, I don't understand this and I need you to help me see. That's why scripture would say, come, let us reason together. So he's not afraid of your scriptures. In fact, there's a story in the Gospels where Jesus shows up on the scene and they say, yo, I think we found the Messiah, the one that they've been talking about, Jesus of Nazareth. And someone says, Nazareth? Nazareth, what good can come out of there? And then he goes, well, just come and see. That's what Jesus says. He just says, come and see. Come and see with your doubt. Come and see with your questions. Come and see with your curiosity. Just come and see, and maybe, just maybe, you will discover that he is who he say he is. Maybe, just maybe, what you think he can't do, he can do. Maybe, just maybe, he actually can free you. He actually can deliver you. He actually can bring hope to your life. God can make a way. He can turn any situation around. If you want to know, well, whoever believes, who are the whoever? Look around, family. We are the whoever. All of us in here, we are the whoever with which, whatever context we have in terms of our story and our history. We are the whoever. And God says, you can come. You can come back home because I have made a way. Look at this. The prerequisite for eternal life is belief in Christ, not how you can modify your behavior. Because so often people will say, I'll show up when I clean up. When I get myself together, I'm going to step in. That's when I'll be ready. But can I just tell you this morning, can I remind us this morning that we can't clean ourselves up? that we can't get our behavior together enough. Because if we could, family, there would be no need of Jesus, right? That, that, that there would be no need of him because then we could just get ourselves together, but we could not. So that's why he stepped out of heaven and said, let me go down here to take care of and do what they can't do. And he stepped in and he took our place. And it's only when we surrender our lives to him that we can begin this journey of becoming who he has called us to become but it's not going to be 
because we modified our behavior. Because God is not trying to modify our life. He is trying to transform our life. Because it's not about how well you behave. It's not about behavior. It's not about, you say, well, I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. Listen, the gospel is not about making bad people good people. The gospel is about making dead people alive people. And when we put our hope, our faith, our trust, our confidence in God, he makes us dead and lost in our sins, and we can be alive in Christ. He's not trying to modify our behavior. In fact, look at Ephesians 2.8. It says this, For it is by what? By grace you have been saved. It's not by modified behavior. It's not how well you sing, how often you give, how much you show up to church, the belong group you connected in, how well you serve. You was out there at I Love My City. You wore the shirt. You posted it, and you, you tagged the church. It ain't part of that. Nope. I love that you show up. I love that you give. I love that you attend. But listen, it's not you. It's God's grace that saves us. It's through faith in Jesus. That high priest, that priest who said, listen, I'll handle this once and for all time. But here's what I love about it. What does it say? It says, you can't take credit for this. Some translation says you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God, meaning you can't earn it. Because some of us, we say, I'm going to work. Ooh, let me pray. I'm going to pray so hard. I'm going to read, not just the verse of the day. I'm about to read the whole book of Genesis. Oh, no, no, you probably pick Mark. I was like, don't pick Mark, pick Leviticus. <laughs> Start in Leviticus. Don't nobody, everybody skip Leviticus on the Bible reading plan. But it's not in how you do any of those things. It's by his grace, meaning this, God can turn your situation around. There is nothing that his grace, his love, his power can't do. Because the truth is, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of God's glory. And you know what we deserve because of that? We deserve death. But that's where Jesus stepped in and he died for us. So this whole idea of YOLO, you only live once? Nope. Not if you put your life, your faith, your hope in the in the saving power of Jesus. You live forever because he died so that we didn't have to. He took what we had coming for us. And so because of that, we can now have new life. So listen, don't you sit in a place of hopelessness. Don't you say, listen, I'm just going to live this hopeless life and think that you can't begin again. Oh, yes, you can. You can begin again. You can start again. You can hope again. You can dream again. Because God has made a way. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That anyone who belongs to Christ has what? Become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So don't get stuck on who you used to be. Don't get stuck on who you are today. But look forward to who you are becoming. In fact, this, this is translated to mean that you are a person moving forward. You're not a person moving backward. You're not your mistakes. You're not your issues. You're not your struggles. No, you're a person who can encounter the hope in Jesus and be a person 
moving forward, moving forward into destiny. So whatever the enemy said can't be yours. I'm here today to remind you that God says it can, and he's made a way through Jesus. Amen.